0: It's great to be together. It's great to be worshipping God. I so value the opportunity to meet together and to worship together. I hope you do too. And uh, we're continuing in our series of uh, in Joshua. If you're visiting with us, uh, we're, uh, we're working our way through the book of Joshua. And here we are in chapter 3 and 4 this week. And uh, I want to take the opportunity uh, to, uh, to, to maybe just take a bit of a sounding So I've called uh, this message, Prepared for Advance, um, and hopefully you'll see why uh, as we go through. There are seasons in the kingdom of God. Uh, Just like in the natural world, uh, there are seasons. There are seasons to to hunker down and, and rebuild and to put things right in the house of God, and there are seasons to break out. And I believe that's the season we're entering into. This is a season to move out and take the ground that the Father has already prepared for us. So if we can move on in the slide, I wanted to just stop and ask the question, why are we looking at the book of Joshua? You could answer. There is uh, well. It was you know. It it would be a good thing to do. Um, And uh, we generally preach through books of the Bible. We think that way. We're trying to honour the Word of God and to preach the whole Word rather than cherry pick the bits that we like. Um, But actually, this series was set some six eight months ago on the back of what we were looking at last year, at the back end of last year, about who should we be as a church, uh, the the Jesus culture. And we really sensed as uh, we were praying as elders that this book was going to be key for us in what God wants to do with us next. And it's going to help us to receive more of the Father's plan, his direction and his strategy Uh, If you like, it's like being in the briefing room of the army generals where they gather and they discuss the strategy. And if you've been around church and if you've been following God for any period of time, you realize that sometimes God does things in unorthodox ways. Because he did it that way last time, he won't necessarily do it that way this time. I've seen that in our own lives where God's unlocked situations and you face it again and you think, ah, I know how it's going to work, God. And then he does it differently. And I wonder if you've discovered that in your own life. We found out last week that, uh, that God had built into his plan the shady lady. And uh, that, that was part of God's purpose. Unorthodox strategy. But so often that's the way that, uh, uh, that God works. And I want us to just take stock, really, of two prophetic words that we had at the back end of last year. So we'd set the book of Joshua some six months ago, believing that that was uh, God's word for us. And and the first one's going to come up on the screen. It says, my people, this is part of the word that we received uh, as a people uh, at the back end of last year. My people, I'm leading now into a new season. The season that is ahead will be characterised by an increase in warfare. I'm calling you and equipping you for battle. The season that's approaching will bring you onto a war footing. A war footing is when my people are ready and willing for battle. This will be new for many of you. Do not fear. Underline, do not fear. Entering this time for you, I've given into your hands the armour that you will need. And then the, 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 same, the second word that came at the same time, Jesus says, I'm the bright and morning star, and I'm bringing in a new day when I will arise in your hearts with deeper revelation of myself and of my purposes. I'm calling you to follow me just as the wise men followed the star without hesitation. Do not turn to the left or the right, but keep your eyes fixed on me. A time is coming then when there will be clearer definition and a widening gulf between good and evil, between light and darkness, between righteousness and sin. Stand firm in the light of truth in times of opposition, and I'll teach you, strengthen you, speak to you, and comfort you. You are the light of the world." And I just wanted to remind us of those words that we've looked at as a people, that we've prayed into in the week of prayer, that this is God's word to us. And it's no coincidence at the time when we believe that God wants us to be looking at the book of Joshua, that actually he's spoken prophetically for us as a people. And we want to be a church that honors the prophetic, want to be a church that treats what God says seriously, Prophecy is not scripture. Yeah, let's make that clear. It's not scripture. But we seek God through prophecy to line up with his word. And that's what I want to commend us to continue to do. So, three things I, I see in, this, in these two chapters. We're not going to read all of the chapters. I know you're disappointed. But we're just going to read three parts of them. The first one, prepared for advance. I believe that's God's word for us right now, that he's preparing us for advance. Second one, supernatural encounter. And the third one, it all ends in worship. So that's where we're going in the uh, next few minutes. So we're going to start by reading uh, Joshua chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. We're going to do it in the NIV, so it might be slightly different. Uh, to the version that you've got, but it shouldn't be too far away. Um, I just think it brings out some of, some aspects in this, in this chapter. Okay, so Joshua chapter 3, 1 to 5, and it will come up behind me. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you're to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you've never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourself for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things amongst you. So God's word tells the people, get ready, consecrate yourself. The people needed to get their personal possessions ready to move. These are nomadic people on a journey, and uh, so everything that they had was with them. So they need to get their personal possessions ready to move, but also they need to prepare themselves to consecrate themselves. We normally read the whole idea of consecration In the context of sacrifices, let me give you an example. Exodus 29, 36. Sacrifice a bull each day as a sin offering to make atonement. Purify the altar by making atonement for it and anoint it to consecrate it. You see, consecration is making fit for God's purpose. The dictionary says to make or declare sacred, set apart or dedicated to the service of a deity. So let me ask you a question. Why did they need to consecrate themselves now? What was it? That, why was that God's instruction to them? You know, Joshua is bringing God's word. Why did they need to consecrate themselves now? Well, we read that God was going to be with them. He was going with them. Just listen to Joshua 3:7. The Lord said to Joshua, today I'll begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. The Holy One was right there in their midst. A few months ago we were, we were talking about Emmanuel at Christmas, God with us. God coming and presencing himself with us. We say that's one of our great desires that's one of our goals that's one of the, part of our culture to be a people of his presence to love the presence of god to welcome the presence of god that's why we spend time in worship because we want to enjoy and attract the presence of god so do we want more of god's presence in our lives do we want more of god's presence in our meetings What does 1 Peter 2, 9-12 to tell us about you and me as God's people? You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. We're called to be a holy nation belonging to him. See, if we want more of his presence, then we should be like Moses who says, unless you're coming with us, Lord, please don't send us. There's no point going out of those doors to share the love of God, to to share Jesus with Hailsham and far beyond, unless we know that God is with us. If that's truly what we want, then we need to understand the implication for our lives personally and as as a people, corporately, as a church. What does consecrate mean for you and for me? What needs to change because the great I am is here amongst us? Sadly, survey after survey tells us the standards of personal morality and conduct in the church are little different from the world around us. This should not be. Am I living as a son and daughter of the king? Which means to live in the light of what he would want. Can I bring everything I am and I do into the light before him? The apostle Paul says to the Corinthians, Whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. That's a consecrated life. You see, it affects everything we do. Not just what happens here on a Sunday, but every part of our lives. Let me just nail the big one, sex. My sexual relationships, honoring those through marriage, refusing to have relationships that I'd need to hide away, trying to convince ourselves, trying to convince myself that the one who sees everything doesn't see. What I watch when no one is looking. I was thinking as I was preparing this, I spent quite a lot of time in hotel rooms with my job, uh, traveling around the country, and it's a constant thing you have to watch. Because I've got 25 channels and no one else there. And what do I choose to watch? How I manage my finances, my work relationships. Those places where I have the opportunity to do good to others do I use them? Does my behavior, does our behavior set us apart as ambassadors of Christ or no different to those around us? In the way we handle situations, reactions like anger, gossip, bitterness, unforgiveness, foul language, resentment. And I really felt like the the Lord just, as I was praying this morning, holding judgment, holding things against others, choosing to believe less of somebody because of what they've done. Why am I saying these things? Because these are the marks of a consecrated life. Does that make God the biggest killjoy in history? Does that say he doesn't want us to enjoy all these things? Does that mean that somehow I'm just supposed to give up on everything that I think is important? No. Because Jesus wants better for you. Jesus has chosen better. The things that we set aside and say, I will not go that way. I will not choose to do those things that I would be ashamed to show my father. He always has something better. We can be so familiar, so casual we followed the ways of the people around us and we've lost sight that the Holy One is here. He's right here in the midst. Just take a moment to look with me at the New Testament. So Acts 2, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes. Peter preaches, 300 get saved, revival. Acts 3, paralytic healed, anointed preaching, Revival. Acts 4, leaders come before the religious authorities, refuse to stop declaring Jesus, the believers are strengthened, the room is shaken, they're all filled with the Holy Spirit, revival. Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira lie to the Holy Spirit and both drop down dead. It's there. What's it there for? Because it's telling us God is right there with us and he's calling us to be people who are consecrated. I'm not saying that's going to happen to you. This is not about condemnation. This is about lifting us to the place where we can truly walk and honor and live in the good of all that he's got for us. You see, these things should lead us to repentance. They should draw us to our father. They should bring us to a place where we say, dad, I know you've got better for me and therefore I'm going to choose to follow you. See, the, Paul, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians says, as a prisoner of the Lord, for the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. God has got so much more for you and for me. God has got so much more for us as a church. To have a consecrated life is to have a full life. It's to know life and life in all its fullness. We see this in the instruction that, that the people here get. It says, Yet there should be a distance between you and the ark, about 2,000 cubits. Do not come near it. There should be fear and reverence. Not, not trembling fear, but awe and amazement that we get to be included. 2,000 cubits, half a mile. Yeah, The very presence of God was there represented in the ark of the covenant. In it, it was placed in the Holy of Holies. And we know that only one person, the high priest, could enter once a year. That's how important it was. And they could only go in through specific sacrifices. They would tie a piece of rope around their legs. So should they not get out again, they could pull them out. That's the reverence and the awe of being in the presence of God. We should not be familiar. There's a really important instruction for us as his people. We don't know the way. As someone once said, there are no well-worn paths as we move forward. We need to be watching and following, just as as the children of Israel did, as they saw the ark going out. So it said, pick up and follow. Follow. There's no master plan for seeing Helsham turn to Jesus that's been revealed to the elders. I'm sorry to tell you that, but that's the truth. Is that the truth, Duncan? There is no master plan. We don't have it in our back pocket. That's why we keep seeking him as we worship, as we honor and value the prophetic, as we gather in weeks of prayer, as we choose to... To meet in life groups, to encourage and strengthen and help one another. As we choose to read his words and apply it. Why? Because he's preparing us for advance. Number two, supernatural encounter. This one's quicker. So we're reading chapter 3, verses 9 to 16. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you'll know that the living God is among you, and that he'll certainly drive out before you. All the ites, and there were lots of them, see the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. As soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, it's waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the, Lord, sorry, when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing It piled up in a heap a great distance away. At the town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of the Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off, so the people crossed over opposite Jericho. I want to say to us the key to advance is supernatural breakthrough. The Jordan was in flood. I once, in an RE lesson, was told by the RE teacher the the explanation for crossing over the Red Sea. And uh, he said to the class, me included, he said, well, actually, they got it wrong. It was not the Red Sea, it was the Reed Sea. And it wasn't very full, so the people were able to paddle across. At which somebody else said, but that's amazing, how did he drown all those Egyptians? The Jordan was in flood. There's no way physically, naturally, unless they were going to build a lot of boats and a lot of rafts, they could have got across. They needed supernatural encounter. They needed breakthrough. And I love this. What God did in the last generation, he wanted to do for this generation. He wants to reveal himself to every generation. To the younger people here, God wants to give breakthrough to you in a way that will be new and fresh and exciting and will launch you into his purposes and plans. And we want to see you achieve that. I want to just talk for a couple of minutes about spiritual gifts. You see, 20 years ago, i have been around the church a little while. I think 20, 25, something like that nature, maybe longer there was renewed interest in the use of spiritual gifts. And much of the emphasis at that time, and if you read the books at that time, it was to enhance your Christian life and to bless the church. That's not wrong. Uh, I do believe, however, that in the coming season, the use of spiritual gifts will be the weapons that we need out there. Yes, we need them in the church. Yes, we need to build up the church. But actually, I believe God more and more Wants us to be using spiritual gifts in the marketplace, in the workplace, in the school ground, wherever you are. Can I encourage you to ask and receive every spiritual gift the Holy Spirit is leading you into? Can I say they are all available? We used to have debates well, which one would you like? And uh, what one do you think you might get? You know, we, we used to talk like that. But actually, the Holy Spirit is not a lottery kind of just deciding, no, actually, they're all there and available. And we need to start receiving them and using them more and more for everyday life. Can I say, just as an aside, that spiritual gifts always, always are connected to spiritual fruit. If you want to see more of spiritual gifts operating in the church, then we need to see more of God's spirit and spiritual fruit operating in our lives. See, spiritual gifts are the means to break open the situations that seem impenetrable. You see, we're going to see that next week. So remember unorthodox approaches to how God's going to undo and unlock situations? Come next week and you'll find out how he does it. But that's true in your life in your situations, in those things that you think will never change. We need to hear and step out and obey. Just look for a second at this miracle here that we see before us, the Jordan's in flood. Joshua receives the instructions. He hears what to do. You may think going for a paddle in the Jordan is not the brightest idea, but they stepped into the water. Carrying his presence, carrying the ark, the symbol of his presence with them. They were obedient, and they saw the breakthrough. You see, faith is obedience to the call. Acting in accord to what God has told us, and choosing to believe him. And lastly, it all results in worship. So we're reading chapter 4, 19 to 24. On the 10th day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones they'd taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, in the future when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you, until you'd crossed over the Lord your God did to the Jordan what he'd done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we crossed over he did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and that you might always fear the Lord your God so why are we doing all of this Why are we believing for advance? Why are we believing for many people to come to know Jesus? Why are we believing for transformation of our town, of hundreds of people being impacted by the gospel, for Helsham flourishing, for businesses to have success? That's what we're praying for. Why are we doing it all? We do it so that Jesus gets all the worship and all the praise. Because it's all due to him anyway. You see, here in this passage is a reminder that the the memorial, the pile of stones, was not to be a shrine, was not to be a a visiting place, was not to simply celebrate something important that had happened, though it did. It was to point people forward to the miracle-working God and the one that had gone before them and given them the victory celebration, thanksgiving are one of our core parts of our culture, core parts of what we think is important. We want to be a, a, a thanksgiving, a celebration church. But we've got to learn this lesson. Every victory needs to lead to thanksgiving and glory to Jesus. So I believe as we work through this series, I believe that this is God's word for us. That's what has really impacted me as, uh, as, I've, uh, as I've spent time in it. I believe that we're a people prepared for advance. There are people being prepared to receive more of his power, more of his purposes, more of his plans, more of the things that will actually mean that people encounter Jesus every day in the, in the playground, in the shopping centre in our works, in our, in our neighborhoods. Wherever you are, I believe God is equipping us for that. But that does mean that for God to be with us, to be right in the midst, we truly need to be a consecrated people. Truly need to be seeking to honor him in word and deed. I believe he's leading us into a season of supernatural encounter. We need to get more familiar, more comfortable, more at ease with just using spiritual gifts. We can make them so complex. We can somehow think you've got to be weird. Good news, you don't. God uses you as you are and wants to use you to see situations break open. And He's going to continue to lead us to be a worshipping people, a people who honour Him that worship him, that lift up his name. Can I encourage you to maybe bow your head wherever you are as we pray? Father, we thank you. We thank you so much, Lord, that you love us that much that you said you'd never leave us. Jesus, you, as you face the cross and as you consider the awful torture and trial that the cross would be, you could say to your disciples, I will not leave you alone. I'll send another, the Holy Spirit, to be your comforter and your guide. And Lord Jesus, we we so thank you that as you want to prepare us as your people as you want to take us into this new place of knowing greater breakthrough of knowing greater victories lord of seeing situations that we thought could never happen open up lord thank you that that you choose to be right here in the midst you choose to be with us and we're like Moses lord we say unless you're going lord don't send us Don't send us. We don't want to go, Lord, if you're not going. If you're not going, Lord, there's no point. And yet, Father, we recognize that to invite you in means it has to impact our lives. It has to affect what we do and how we do things. It has to affect the things that we choose that we would never bring to you. Oh, Lord, I pray for the work of your Holy Spirit in each one of our lives. Lord, not to bring condemnation, but Lord, to bring that revelation of your goodness. Thank you, Jesus. You've got so much better. Lead us forward, Lord, we pray. Amen. You have been listening to a sermon from Christchurch Helsham. For more information or to contact us, visit ChristchurchHailsham.org.